Good morning, Church on the Rock. How are you doing? Good. Hey, last week we started into a series called Awakening, and we started opening up about this spiritual practice of fasting. I was pausing for the applause, because we love fasting, right? Yeah, it's our favorite discipline. And maybe that pause was indicative of the feelings that go along with it. Uh, last night, I was going, uh, I was closing up the house, and I, sometimes Amy goes to bed before I do. And so she, I was closing everything up, and I come up to bed, and she immediately starts going into talking about something very spiritually heavy, just something about the church and direction and a sermon and stuff like that. And I said, hey, hold on a second. I was just watching an interview with Carrot Top. I need a second to adjust my thinking here, okay? Because I'm like, like, it's a little bit off right now. And so sometimes when we come to fasting, there's a little bit of adjustment that needs to take place. It's not a normal, it's not a natural thing for many of us in our life. And so if you didn't feel like you got it last week, or it was pretty hard, or you're just not even on board, I'd encourage you that it's a little bit of adjustment, and that's okay. I want to read you to this quote today from Scott McKnight. He says, urging folks to fast today is like urging them to milk their own cows. Just as there are no cows in our backyards, there is no body in the perception of spirituality. Amy and I recently, I'm a little embarrassed to say that Nora, she's going into five and a half years old, and she's been still sleeping in a toddler bed, okay? Like those beds are only like like half the size of the baptism tank, okay? And like, her feet aren't off the floor. She still fits. But So we finally decided, you know what? It's time. We need to really just, she needs like a full-size like person bed, not like a baby bed, okay? So we went to, obviously, we went to Ikea. Like, where else do you go when you need cheap furniture that looks cool? So we went to Ikea. And as I was there, if you've ever been to Ikea, there's a, a unload ramp or an exit, and there's an entrance. And the unload ramp can often get uh, kind of clogged up with people coming in and out and stuff, but it was really cold, it was really windy, and I was carrying both my other young two kids under each arm, Amy had Nora, and we're like trying to get inside, and there was a cart right there. So we go to the exit ramp, and we get in there, and we put the cart, and we're trying to make our way into the entrance. And so it's all kind of gated off so people don't get like, you know, uh, back up into somebody, or so there's gates there to protect them. And so we're trying to get through the gate to get into the actual building. And there's this huge just cart with boxes higher than I am. I can't see around them, and it's just blocking us from getting on. So we're waiting there, waiting there, nothing's happening. So I start moving the cart so that we can actually get through the gate. And as soon as I start pushing out, I hear, ah, stop, ah. And I'm like, what? And on the other side, there was a lady that was just running her over with the cart. I had no idea. Like, the boxes were so high. Like, they were so tall. I had no idea. But... As bad as a picture this is, as about as good as I get, your body has a direct effect on your spirituality. As you start pushing or as you start something affecting, is affecting your body, it will affect your spirituality. <laughs> I like this other quote, Scott McKnight continues, the urge to fast will not return among Christians until we understand the connection of the body and soul. So today we're going to be talking about our body in connection to our spirituality. Often when we approach fasting, it can feel like this 
uh, like, why do I even go through this? I didn't get anything. I didn't receive anything. What's the purpose of fasting? And so today, I want to talk to you a little bit more. Last week, we set the groundworks. Why we fast? We fast unto God. The basics of fasting. If you did not catch that sermon, and you're part of this church, I really encourage you to go back and catch that sermon because it will lay the groundwork of where we're going over the next four or five, six weeks. But today we're talking about one of the primary reasons that we do fast or one of the benefits of fasting. So before we go any farther, church, can we just close our eyes and just bow our heads in prayer and invite God's spirit here. Thank you, Lord, for moving in this place. Thank you, God, that before we joined our hands in clapping, our voices in singing here, before we prayed over Aiden, God, that there were people in a room praying over this service. Thank you, God, that before that happened, God, that last night, Tuesday prayer, God, there are people filling the altars, God, and praying over service in this church. Lord, we just invite your tangible presence in to speak to us right now, Father. I pray that we would be in a place, that our hearts would be in a place to receive and to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. I wish that we could sit down, and for those of us that participated in the fast last week, I wish I could kind of get a critique from you or an overview of how did your fast go? How, how, how did you actually experience it? Were you just hungry the old time? Were you angry or irritable? Were you lethargic? Were you sleepy? Was it really good? Did you come into a sense of just feeling this closeness and tangibleness with God? Did you feel this intimacy with God? Did you choose to fast or to not fast? And why? I, I wish that we could sit down and kind of ask those questions and understand a little better. And somebody that went through the 24-hour fast last week, they texted me in the middle of it, and they said, man, I just find myself lazily and angrily coasting through the day thinking about bread. And I don't know if that is how for you, but it's just sometimes that's how it feels, especially as we condition ourselves to fasting. And if you didn't catch it, I, I put just like a quick, like it's one or two minutes long, I think, on uh, Instagram last week of just some of my own just personal just kind of going through the 24-hour fast and how I was feeling through it. And, you know, for me last week, it was 21 or 23 hours, something like that, 21, I think, hours into it before I started feeling a breaking of the flesh and a connection to God in the spirit. But it took that 21, 22 hours before I felt something shift in me. And I think it's because of this, is that there's not any other practice I can think of that so quickly and so accurately diagnoses or shows the condition and reveals the condition of our heart. Proverbs 4, 23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. It's so easy to forget that God is one being expressed in three uh, expressions, God, Father, and Holy Spirit. God, Son, and Holy Spirit. And likewise, in his image, we are one being expressed through three different venues. Our mind, our body, and our soul. And much like the woman on the cart in Ikea, when you push one, when you do something to one, it directly affects the other parts. This is why fasting is so important. We're going to get a little above PG here. We're going to 1 Corinthians 6, 20. And I'm reading from the message translation. And I think it does a good job of breaking this down. But it's one of the most clear aspects that Paul's talking about 
how our body affects our spirituality. 1 Corinthians 6, 16 through 20, and this is the message translation. Eugene Peterson wrote it this way and translates it. He says, there's more to sex than mere skin to skin. Sex is as much a spiritual mystery as physical fact. As it's written in scripture, the two become one. Since we want to become spiritually one with the master, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy, leaving us more lonely than ever. The kind of sex that can never become one. There is a sense in which sexual sins are different from all others. In sexual sin, we, we violate the sacredness of our own bodies. These bodies that were made for God-given, God-modeled love, for becoming one with another. Or didn't you realize that your body is a sacred place? Didn't you realize that your body is a sacred place? The place of the Holy Spirit. Don't you see that you can't live however you please, squandering what God paid such a high price for? The physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. God owns the whole works. So let people see God in and through your body. Paul, in one of the most intimate forms of communication and connection we have as a person, is expressing that that part of you, your body, cannot just be squandered, not just be thrown out. What you do with your body, it affects your spirit. And when you give part of yourself away, it stays there. But the body is called the temple now. And this is where God's spirit resides. And what we do to this temple, there, if you, I'm not going to ask you to raise hands or look around the room, but there's better temples here. And there's some temples that need some repair. And the awakening series is something we go into to look at our body, to look at our temple and say, what here needs adjustment? Do we have some leaves in the front lawn we need to rake out? Do we have some windows that need to be adjusted? Is there some paint on the walls that we need to throw up? What have we let in in the last year? And fasting reveals that. Fasting reveals your heart. Fasting shows our reliance upon three meals a day and snacking in between. It shows the things that we've put in our heart to rely upon, to sustain us other than God. Philippians 3, 18, 19 says, and this is the NLT version, For I have told you often before, I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They're headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things. They think only about life here on earth. And 1 Corinthians 6, 12 says, Everything is permissible for me. But not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will be mastered. I will not be mastered by anything. There are so many good things in life. Food and sex and gain. And there's so many amazing things that God gives us. But the fallen nature of humanity is that we take a good thing from God. And instead of looking at the creator... We look at the creation. Instead of looking at the giver, we look at the gift. Instead of looking at God, we look at our appetite or we look at our desire. We look at the things that are pleasurable, the things that we are passionate about. And very quickly, those things take primary residence over us. Very quickly, when we fall into a hard time, instead of dropping back on God and relying on God, we rely on things. We rely on appetite. 
the more we give our body, the more it starts beginning to get accustomed to that and wanting it. Many of you are probably on a fast right now or some kind of diet or some kind of health plan to start the year right. And as you go along that, you'll notice that if you have a strong sugar addiction, you eliminate sugar from your life, you go three, four weeks without sugar, your body at first will start craving that so badly. But then you'll see some health changes, just the natural of starting getting more energy and feeling breakthrough. And then at the end of it, you'll say this probably, man, I don't want to go back to living how I was living like that. Let's just eat into sugar once a week. And then pretty soon, a year's passed and we're back in awakening and sugar's been so much in our lives again and we have to break it all over again. Fasting is, as some people call it, this weekly tonic to show us the heart condition. Fasting shows us immediately why are you so angry? It shows us that we are so easily disrupted. Why are you so hungry? Why can our thoughts just focus on food right now? Because we've conditioned our bodies to rely on these physical appetites. Fasting shows us how dependent we've become, how much we allow things that we can touch and feel and gain to control us to master us. You know, the body will die after just a few days without sleep, without, uh, drink, without water. But we can go weeks before the body actually sets into true starvation. I had somebody tell me this participant in the fast this week. They said, you know, I'm doing okay. I have a lot of excess to live on. Our bodies, we condition them to have a lot of excess to live on. And so when you're fasting especially for a 24-hour fast or less than that, you're not actually starving, you're just hungry. It's that, I don't remember what it's called, that Mavlo dog thing or whatever, right? Where we expect it's 8 o'clock or 6 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 6 o'clock again, where we've conditioned our bodies that this is when you get food. Kids are into bed. Pastor Joe, we whip out the dark chocolate, right? That's, it's 8 o'clock, time to go to bed, whip out the dark chocolate. And so it's not that you're fighting against true hunger or true starvation. You're fighting against the desire and appetite of our body. And fasting helps us ground ourselves in God, not into food. Fasting helps us understand that we can be content and be hungry. We can be full of God and be hungry. We can desire something physically and say no to it, and that's okay. You know, next time you fast, and hopefully it's this week, if you're doing the 24, whatever time you're going through, shut your phone off. We talked about partial fasting and abstaining last week, but this week, try shutting your phone off for that period of time. And just see how many times out of habit, or out of uncomfortableness in a line, you just go and you're there and you don't want to make eye contact. And so you pull your phone out and realize you're going to feel really silly when you pull it out and you click it and it's dead. And you go, oh yeah, I shut this off. And by the 10th time you do that, you're going to be like, oh man, I think I might have a problem. I need to put my phone away. And so fasting, this elimination of things in our life shows us what gods have we erected in my life. What things take my primary focus? Where do I give most of my attention or energy or find my comfort or sustenance in other than God? As we go about this, it may prove very humiliating to you. Fasting is marked as a spiritual practice that grows humility in the believer. Dallas Willard says it this way, it, fasting, 
will certainly prove humiliating, humiliating to us as it reveals to us how much of our peace depends on the pleasures of eating. It may also bring to mind how much we use food pleasure to assuage the discomfort caused in our bodies by faithless and unwise living, attitudes, lacks of self-worth, meaningless work, purposeless existence, or lack of rest or exercise. If nothing else, though, it will certainly demonstrate how powerful and clever our body is in getting its own way against our strongest resolve. If you have ever been in this situation, you might understand what he's saying, where you're scrolling reels or TikTok, or it's late at night and you're watching reruns of The Office or Seinfeld or Friends, depending on, or Andy Griffin, depending on your generation. And you say, you know what? Just one more episode, five more TikToks, five more reels, five more snaps. And all of a sudden, an hour goes by and you realize you're still in the same spot you are. Or if you ever said, I'm just going to have five more M&Ms, and then the bag is empty in the next half hour. I'm a we are a family that it either, if it's in our house, it will be consumed. There's no such thing as portioning or, like, drawing it out. It's, if the bag of M&Ms is there, if the plate of cookies is there from Christmas, there's no such thing as eating it once a week. It's either we eat all of them tonight for dinner or they just have to go in the trash can. Like, it's we're all in or not. <laughs> okay. And so, so fasting fosters this humility in us, realizing that our sustenance can be found outside of God. We try to find our, our sustenance outside of God. If you're that type of person that goes, when you've had a bad day and goes to food for comfort, you realize that you're asking food what God is supposed to do. If you go to, if you go, if you're a type of person, and most, I would say every single one of us has this behavior of how do I escape from life? Oftentimes it's not running to God. Oftentimes it's you fill in the blank of some kind of pleasure taken out of proportion. I'll do so much of this, so much of this, that I'll just numb myself to those other feelings, push them down, squander them down so I don't have to feel them or deal with them. It's why resting and Sabbathing and fasting is so important because it slows us down and makes us confront our heart. Guard your heart because it directs everything in life. And so if you're very angry or going through a stressful situation at work, but you keep pushing it down and pushing it down very soon, I read this week, is that very soon you realize that you don't have, you're not just angry, you have a spirit of anger inside of you. You start collecting and gathering things that doesn't, it's just not, man, why am I so tired in this season? Why am I so lethargic? Why am I so angry? Why am I so... Whatever. And you realize because quickly is there's a lack of God's presence in you. That you've been running away from life instead of dealing with it. Fasting hits this directly head on. You know, ironically, oftentimes, and especially in my own personal experience of fasting, the temptation when you hit a fast is to gorge yourself for the last meal before you go into the fast. I'm going to eat all the good things I can't have. I'm going to have the biggest meal. My stomach's going to be so happy. And then you fast, 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 fast. And then at the end of it, you run to that next big meal and just fill it up. And we just give ourselves the gluttony. We give ourselves the excess. And we just undid everything we're just trying to do, which is establish the heart in fasting. 
so I can have resilience, I can have reliance, I can have sustenance on God and not on food. It deals with the heart. Fasting primarily deals with your heart. Why do I have to fast? What does it really do in my life? Or does God really want me to not eat? Why is it such a big deal to you? It reveals your heart. Oh, man, if I'm going to fast and fast for this, I'll get God's will and I'll have the power and I'll have the sustenance. That also reveals your heart. Fasting reveals our heart and position us into communication with God. We, again, if you think back to last week, the A, B, C, we experience a grievous, sacred moment in life. We respond in fasting, and then there's revelation after that. And so often we either go into it from B to C, fasting to hope that God will do something to us, instead of responding to life with fasting and positioning ourselves closer to God. Fasting reveals our condition of our heart, the things that we're relying upon, and puts us into proximity, puts us, it positions us to receive and to communicate with God. Scott Maynard talks about it as being body prayer or body plea. Praying and becoming before God, not just with mind and not just with will and not just with words, but our whole body before God. Because we're three parts and every part affects us. What you do to your body will affect your mind, which will affect your spirituality, which will affect your body. And the cycle goes on and on. If nothing else, though, it will certainly, fasting, will demonstrate how powerful and how clever our body is in getting its own way against our strongest resolve. Fasting reveals how much life we try to accomplish on our own outside of God. When you go into it and you try to will something in your life, Self-discipline can get you far, and will can get you far. But I used to be a summer camp counselor. I can't remember, I've calculated up, but I can't remember how many weeks. I think I'm close to a year that, of my life that I've spent in summer camps. And so we've done a lot of summer camp counseling over the course of my life. I remember one year, uh, specifically, I had a co-counselor, and he was working with me. He said, you know, every teenage boy becomes a master hacker when it comes to pornography. Just every single one. They know how to get around the firewalls and break it down and set it all up. And there's this thing to it is that as strong as our will is, when your body wants something, you will figure out a way to get it. As strong as your will is, you'll figure out a way to get what you want. Fasting cuts into that because it shows you that you want food, I'm not going to eat. Because, and again, quote John Piper, I'm going to starve on food but feast on the spirit. It starts building this reliance upon God, saying, God, I can't do this. I can't will this. And so when you start fasting, I encourage you that if you struggle with any type of addiction, fasting is an immediate cure to that. Maybe not cure, but practice or help or uh, is, is a way to start create healing and, and self-control in your life. Self-control is, is, is a gift from the Holy Spirit. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so, so often we try to approach it as just a mentality of, I'm going to be strong enough to get through this. Our strength doesn't go very far. But God's will sustains and carries. And so if you're still dealing with overeating, 
or pornography or drinking or excessive eating, start fasting. Because when you start saying no to the flesh, it goes across all of it. When you start saying no to the flesh, it starts speaking into all aspects of the flesh. And so you'll notice if you start putting this as a practice, as a, as a normal practice in your life, that accountability is good, having men in your life or women in your life is good, having the, the locks on your phone. But if you deal with pornography, one of the, the most important things to do is start fasting, start controlling, start being able to tell your body no. Fasting reveals how weak our will is, but allows us to open up to the power of God to start working inside of us. You know, I see this thing from Jesus. God wants us to rely on him. In Deuteronomy 8.3, he says, Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry, then feeding you with manna a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it to teach you that people do not live on bread alone, rather by the every, they live on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And then if many years later, Jesus quotes the scripture. Jesus is baptized in the natural like you just saw, and then immediately the Spirit threw him into the wilderness to go into fasting for 40 days. And so in that time, Jesus is fasting, and then at the end of that, Satan comes and starts tempting him. And in that temptation, Matthew 4, 4, it says, But Jesus told, um, sorry, during that time the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the scripture says people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And what's really interesting about this is that I was thinking about and reflecting on this this last week is that the first Adam that came, he had a struggle with appetite. You can have any fruit in the garden you want, except this one. Just don't eat this one. And how many years did Adam live there? I don't know. How many years did Eve sit there and look and try the fruit and see all these good types of fruit? And then there's just that one. Just that one. I wonder what that one tastes like. Not the hundreds of thousands. It's like if I came in here and said, you know what? You guys can sit in any seat you want except for this seat, Kim. Don't sit there. Okay? All of a sudden, that front row is going to look kind of enticing. You know, you know what? I, can't, I like the front row. I don't like the back row. I don't, man, that seat looks good. I bet it's more comfortable. I bet the air conditioning is just right. I bet it's a balmy 75. Over here, I'm too hot. Over here, I'm too cold. I bet this seat, and all of a sudden, our resolve, our self-will starts falling. But the second Adam, Jesus is called the second Adam. He came to accomplish what the first man could not accomplish. And he came, and he was tempted, and he said no. Man does not live on bread alone by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then outside of that, he's baptized. The spirit falls on him. But as he leaves the fast, Luke 4.14 says, When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. The power followed the physical baptism, followed the spiritual baptism, but it followed the fast. He was baptized in the spirit physical, and the spirit descended on him like a dove. He went into the wilderness to fast and to deny the flesh. And when he comes outside of that, he was touched and had, a, had an 
indwelling power from the Holy Spirit. There's something that I can't quite explain. I don't quite understand it. I can't quite grasp it. But there is something there that when you have a hunger and a desire to seek God, you'll get it. But it's just not given. You must seek it. Pastor Joe was talking about this sermon this last week. He said, we have as much of God as we desire. Stovall Weems talks about how God is a, a filler, not a forcer. He's not just going to come in and break you down. He's a gentleman. He wants an invitation. He wants an open invite. He wants an open space. And so one of the first things we have to do when we come to God is to empty our heart. God, come fill me up. But all of our addiction, all of the ways we spend our time, all the things that separate us from God are still there. And the fast and this awakening experience is a way to take those things out and ask God to come start filling You know, one of the confusing scriptures we get is Mark chapter 9, verse 28 through 29. It says, And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? They're talking about a demonic spirit on a person. And Jesus said to them, This kind can come out by nothing, out by nothing but prayer and fasting. And the take I have on that is that when you seek God, when you fast, when you pray, when you get into the presence of God, the power of God is released into your life. 